This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to a Real Man Wood podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host, and I'm joined by my co-host of Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. What's going on, man? How you doing? Doing all right. Uh, a little tired. I uh, was at the Giants game last night. Uh, not complaining. Great game, actually. My, my guy, Hunter Strickland, talk about him here in a second for another reason. Blew it, but um, ended up getting the win. Walk off. McCutcheon. Fun game, but it lasted forever. Like It was a four-hour game nearly, so got home really late. But uh, yeah, some action going on now as we speak. So uh, what's up with you, Liz? Not much. Uh, I'm not that pleased with the early performance of most of my teams. In uh, AL Tout, uh, I have my three hitters. I mean, Bregman just had a big day, but I had Stanton, Bregman, and Buxton. Those are my biggest hitters. So, like, they're all terrible for the first 10 days. And uh, despite having Kluber and Sale, uh, that team is, like, middle of the pack. So I should have, you know, I should be doing better, but my hitting is doing badly. Um, I'm NFBC main already with the Bumgarner injury. I'm, I'm struggling with pitching. I mean, it's just April 11th. I mean, it's so early. But, I mean, you can't. You, you can't get cavalier about that. I mean, if you're behind, uh, you got to make moves. And I'm pissed. Like, I, I started to advocate this, you know, middle reliever uh, strategy this year where you, you pick up the Davinskys and the Gazelmans and the, you know, obviously Andrew Miller's drafted pretty early uh, instead of those low-end starters. And I think that's true. But a lot yesterday in my main event, I left uh, Ryan Madsen, who got a save, and uh, Colin McHugh who had four strikeouts and two innings and no runs on my bench. And, you know, I guess I got Yanni Chirinos in today. So... It's the thing about that strategy is it's not like they're starting pitchers who have a day that they start. You know, those guys, they they kind of fill in when they fill in, and it's really hard to time. You try to get guys with good matchups. You try to get guys with, you know, seven games in the week, at least six. But, I mean, it's not like you know if a guy has two starts. You know exactly against whom he's going to come in, what situation it is. Uh, here it's just, you know, there's no – you don't really get a warning. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just still just the boring stock answer. It's so early. I just I haven't overreacted or reacted much, period, to, uh, you know, Kershaw, three starts, ERA in the low ones and zero wins. That's frustrating. And it's uh, it's funny that he feels disappointing even otherwise, too. The K is not racking up and, and the velocity, but he still sits with like such a good ERA. It's, it's funny. How, how many K's do you think he has? Not looking yeah, at I, yeah, probably six. To, uh, 19. What, yeah, yeah. How many I innings has he long. thrown? How many innings has he thrown? Uh, 19. 18. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Whatever. He'll, he'll be okay. Uh, I mean, his velocity is down a little, so we'll see. I think the main story and everyone's, uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, but I mean, it's obviously the uh, Otani and I don't have any shares of him. And I, and I really wanted him toward the end. I'm like, the hate has gone too far. I I said it here on this podcast, but I didn't take advantage of it enough. You know, I went on record saying he's going to be a bust. I'm worried about the UCL damage. Is it his cost? I just thought there was too much risk. And now really, this is a worst case scenario for uh, companies like myself and Yahoo, because if he's a sick hitter, then man, he should be. He should be one player. Yeah, it's it's real. I picked up the hitter in the uh, friends and family league just because you can right. move him in and out daily, which is makes him worthwhile. But 
Yeah, I, I've been saying complaining about this on XM, and I was doing this since January. I got into it with Pete a little bit, Pete Chanky, who I mean, we our commission service is a very small part of our business, but you know, I was saying, you know, this in, we we need to not be lazy here and make this guy the eight or nine category player because he can run apparently hasn't had a chance to yet that he obviously can be, and then you say, okay, well, if he's going to get you, you know, twelve wins and one hundred and seventy five Ks and a three ERA and whatever else plus fifteen home runs and 45 RBIs all in the same week, you know, all in the same season, and you get all those categories, like, what's that worth? Well, it may be worth the number one player, or it certainly may be worth the number six player, and that was a puzzle we should have had our, our users, the people playing, give them a chance to figure out, but we deprived them of that because the real reason we did it, and, I, and Pete was saying, he's like, it's harder than you think to program the feeds for a single player to go in both directions, and I'm like, yeah, okay, we landed a person on the moon, 50 years ago. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's what I was told too. Yeah. No, it's super, super hard. Apparently yeah, it's, it's not, it's not hard. I mean, look, Pete knows a thousand times more than I do about programming, but it's just bullshit. I mean, it, it would be a lot of, it would have taken time. It would have been time consuming. Everyone has a finite amount of resources. It, again, it wasn't really us so much cause that's not our thing, but you guys, I mean, you're Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, nobody really did it. And I was with you from the beginning that I thought that that should be the case, but I didn't think it was a big deal if not, because I just didn't think his hitting well, would, it wouldn't matter, you so know, was, but that boy, was I was, argument. might have been really wrong. Yeah, I might have been big. really wrong. Steamer, like after his second homer already projected him for like a 122 uh, uh, WRC plus. I don't even know what it is now. Like they're, I don't know, maybe we'll be laughing at this comment that we're even talking about this a month from now, but he's certainly exciting. It's good for baseball. And even as just a, a, a fan, it's pretty cool to see. I mean, this is sick. I, I am disappointed that nobody just, you yes. know what, we're going to make this a possibility. It, it could have been not the exclusive one. Then they say, well, what are you going to have? You're going to have Bumgarner hit? You're going to count all your pitcher stats? I said, no. be very easy, at least on the user side. All you do is you have every pitcher. You can either use them as a pitcher or use them as both. Obviously, in the AL, unless it's an interleague week, it's not going to matter. But in the NL, you could have started pitcher, reserve, or pitcher and hitter. And if you want those stats to flow through, they will flow through. If you don't, then they don't. You wouldn't make a special rule just for Otani. He would just be a pitcher, like every other pitcher. But now, when you activate a pitcher, you can also activate him to get his at-bats. That would be the simple way to do it. The hitting pitcher stats, when people bring that up, is just the silliest thing ever to me, in my opinion. I mean, the guy's DHing on, on days he's not pitching. Right. I mean, it's, right. it could not be more different. Obviously. I mean, it's, and and also, ridiculous. most people, unless it was Bumgarner who might get you six home runs or whatever— you know, you're just not going to use that. It's going to be too detrimental to your batting average to use it, or very near zero in the best case scenario. Whereas, Otani is the only one that's going to matter whether you have it active or not. You know, and so, but you you give everyone the capability because, of course, why not? I mean, you don't make a special rule for him, and that's that. And and so, well, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, so, to just illustrate that point, sorry to cut you off, but like Derek Cardi said something like his projections was like the difference between Otani and like the best projected pitcher hitting wise is the same gap as like Trout versus a league average catcher or something. Right. Like the, the gap is just massive. I, I might have right. even undersold that. I, again, I think you should have the functionality to do that with your pitchers, but it, it's not going to be important. You're not going to want to 90% of the time, and the, I haven't done the math whether Bumgarner's hitting stats outweigh the bad batting average that he's going to bring to the table. Maybe they do, so you add him in there, but you just build the system to be able to take it. I mean, it's not rocket science. Those guys generate stats, and so... That you, you have a player with a certain ID, 
run through the system with whatever stats he has on the hitting side and the pitching side. It's not that hard. The problem is that the whole site is designed, those whole commit services are not designed to take that. I mean, I'm simplifying. I'm not a programmer. But you can imagine, okay, yeah, it seems simple, but it's not built for that, to have two different things go in. So there'd have to be some work. And, yeah, maybe and, and the code was written so long ago. It's written a long time, and if you're wiring it for all the pitchers, it's probably a lot of shit, and a lot of things are probably flow from the fact that it goes to either one or the other and you don't get both sides into one. I mean, I'm sure it's more complex than I'm making it out to be. But again, we put a man on the moon 50 years ago, man. I mean, come on. This is not that hard of a task. And it's just a, a matter of will and a matter of resources. And companies just thought, you know what? Well, you said, what if he's a terrible hitter and we put in all this work and all these hours and it's just no point. But I just think that's a bad attitude so in some ways. So, so where, where would you take him if he, if he were a universal player in a well, draft held today? Probably in like, I said, Will Man takes him number one on the XM show. But you don't, we don't really know that he's going to hold up. The, the, the thing is, the stuff is Syndergaard Severino stuff. I mean, it's just, yeah. it, it just lights out. I mean, he only has like two pitches really, but they're devastating pitches. A splitter and a, and a fastball. And the, the fastball is 99, and the splitter looks like, it's not, you know, looks like the fastball and then drops. So it's, it's just... Yeah, the spin rate's crazy. It, and so the dude is like, it's not like he just, oh, you know, he's getting lucky. Let's see if he can keep it up. I mean, the the, the stuff is there to back up the, the numbers. And, and he's homering off Kluber. Right. Homering <laughs> off of Kluber, right. <laughs> like the best pitcher in baseball the last year and a half. So <laughs> Yeah, last like four years. Right. Kluber, actually. I don't know what else there is to say. It's just a small sample. And it's not like he has 12 home runs now. He has three. So, I mean, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. But, yeah, I mean, I think like... You'd have to like, you have to take him like in the you know tenth overall. You know, once you get out of like the Harpers and those guys, it's like. No, I was gonna say late first. I yeah. was gonna say late. First. Yeah. Okay. I mean, All I right. think right now, and I think if he keeps us up for like even one more week, I think you, go, you might you got to go early first, and one more week after that, you go first. That's yeah. it. Yeah. No yeah. questions so, asked. Man, I wish this one share. I'm in so many leagues. I'm an so, idiot. That's usual. So I was like that, and then I, I went and got him in the. Uh, Staff Keeper League, because we drafted that April 3rd. You know, we did our podcast last week right before yes. it, and I paid 45 for him. Verlander right. went for like 51. I was in on that, and then I let it go, and I was like, all right, I got to get this guy. So I'm, I'm pleased with myself. All right, I have one more complaint, then I'm going to throw some stuff. To, I actually do have some stuff to throw at you because I, I caught a couple of, uh, of your XM shows. But um, one thing I want to say that I, that I talked about was, was Thames, my boy. Yeah. Driving me crazy, the thing I'm most frustrated with in all of fantasy baseball is – the person I dropped for Hunter Strickland last week in the league we're in together, beat Chris List too, was Thames like an idiot. He was sitting like two of the first four games, lefties. He was horrible the final two months last year, but I know that part and what he did the first month last year. I'm an idiot. And now I have some absolute scrub on my team who's hurt like Joe Musgrove. I shouldn't even say like some like the most obvious drop ever right now. Yeah. And I'm such an idiot. And I realized my mistake and I'm like, I better get this guy back on my team. And I bid um, almost almost max my budget last week with 230, and you bid what 320? Yeah, I put in an extra juice in that bid because you dropped him. I did. I was I, the runner up too. So just so you know, I was the runner up. <laughs> Look, I was 230, and then you guys. So not only do I have him, uh, other shares of him, and I hope he does well. But that's just really bothering me. At least Strickland got a win, and he looks good. But that's the other risk of, of these pickups. Talk about this guy worth it. Well, also the cost. Right. What an, I mean, Tams could go nuts. I mean, yeah. he really could. I know. It's hilarious. I love getting that dude. But that's the fact that you bought him and the fact I was the runner-up. Right. I, re I recognized my error. I'm like, this guy's going to go nuts. I'm an idiot. And I, and right. I bid like – I would have bid higher, but I, I went so nuts on Strickland, I almost went my you max. the money, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't really think about you getting him back because I was bidding enough that I was pretty sure you didn't have the money. Right. But secondly, I was like, how often is a guy who can hit 30-plus yeah. 
I just kind of show. I mean, obviously there'll be somebody who hits 30 plus that we don't know about that comes online, but this is a guy we know about. And then I think Yelich was already hurt, so like that just frees up. Right. That takes Braun back into the outfield. Well, yeah, he definitely wasn't hurt when I dropped him. Right, Yelich definitely wasn't right, hurt. But when he was dropped. hurt right. by the time I picked him up. If you want to feel any better, that team is in dead last place, though, that I, that I have. I had oh, Corey okay. Seager on the bench because he only played two games in this four-game set, hit a home run yesterday. And, you know, Daniel Murphy is just now starting, like, activities, and Stefani Bell right. is on the show saying month. another month. So, you know, that team is not good that I drafted, but things will help, so I do appreciate that. All right, I've got a couple of general questions for you. Um, do, do, you have, do, you, do you have any stock whatsoever? Do you put any stock in things like – Joey Votto usually gets off to slow starts, things like that. Not really, but if he's off to a slow start, a guy like that, it's going to make me relax even more. I mean, I'm not, I'm not okay. really stressing about if I don't have any Votto, but you know, if a guy like Votto or it's Stanton, it's the weather's been cold. You know, Stanton for me, it's just he's healthy, he's healthy. I don't really care. That, yeah, but that's like another one. It's, oh, it's cold weather. That, that's what it must be. But just guys okay. slump, and it just is what it is. And if they all slump together on your team – it looks like you have a bad team. I'm in trouble in the, in the main event, though, losing Bumgarner because I just, I'm like 30 strikeouts behind the pack already. Right. And it's like, yeah. like, yeah, sure, like Bumgarner will be back and I'll find some starters, but those 30 strikeouts aren't just going to magically accrue to my team. I have to now outpace everybody by 30 strikeouts just to get right. even. And that's right. not good. That's not, that doesn't matter, like, oh, yeah, my guys will do better. They might do better, but unless Michael Walker all of a sudden turns into like, you know, Corey Kluber, you know, whoever the next guy is who does that, or Aaron Sanchez turns into one of those guys, like, it's not obvious where I'm going to boost an extra 30 strikeouts just to catch up. In fact, I don't even, you know, I'm probably slipping behind even further, to be honest. Yeah, I wasn't even going to bring up Stanton because I'm just not worried. I mean, whatever. I mean, it is kind of crazy, though, that he's, uh, that no player ever in the live ball era had two two games with five strikeouts and no hits in the same se- same season, and he did it did that by April 8th and he yeah. didn't have one four strikeout game last year and he already right. has two five sets and I, I don't really care about the New York media hounding him or any of that stuff so right. my other question I was curious about though was like Garrett Garrett Cole new new scenery change of scenery right. uh, a new team and I'm like oh that's normally anecdotal but maybe the pitching coaches are just flat out smarter you know I, I do you do you do you do you put did I underrate the fact that he's changing organizations a guy like that or is he just going to happen regardless um, I don't know. I mean, the Pirates were known as the organization that fixed everybody. Remember, Edison right. Volquez was good. A.J. Burnett had, like, another run at the end of his career. Like, it was Ray Surge. Or, oh, he's the master. And I don't know if he's still there. I don't really pay that close attention to that kind of stuff. Liriano, yeah, Liriano was done, and then he kind of bounced right. back. He, he was like the, the pitching whisperer. So, if anything, Pittsburgh was the place. I don't know. I mean, it's good to be on a good team. You know, Verlander certainly got it together when he got to the Astros last year. That park is really friendly. Yeah. The sure. defense is decent. You know, Marisnik's good. Springer's good on defense. I think Correa is like, okay, not great. Bregman's pretty good, I think, at third. Yeah, and it's also just like some guys are going to be dealing the first month or few weeks, and let's check back in July when his you know, arm has 100 innings on it but, and how he's right. feeling. That's true, but if, but if Cole does become like his pedigree and become a monster, I mean, with Verlander and if McCullers does what he could, I mean, people are, I don't know if people are quite realizing that this, it's not hyperbolic to say this is like the best roster in MLB history. I mean, this is absolutely loaded. I mean, yeah. they were projected about to win 100 games, which is almost unheard of. And I mean, that doesn't mean they'll win it, of course. I mean, baseball, it's a crap shoot in the playoffs, but this team, wow. I mean, there's potential to be silly good. 
and, and you're not even talking about the bullpen. Like Peacock, first of all, they have two more starters that are good. McHugh and Peacock are like six and seven. So that's like serious depth. And those guys are in the bullpen. And you got like Davinsky and you've got Giles. I mean, you've got such depth all over the place on that team. And, you know, Derek Fisher is like a good prospect. Kyle Tucker is in AAA, and he's a good prospect. I mean, they're just loaded. But I don't know. If you look at those starters, you know, Verlander to me is the best starter. Cole could be one of those guys. Keiko has been shaky since he was so good at the start of last year. He's been a little shaky since. McCullers just I got mean, totally. We, yeah, we've talked for five minutes. We haven't even talked about Charlie Morton. I yeah, mean, Char- and Charlie crazy. Morton's been great, and lot, especially in, in the playoffs last year. So I don't know. It's a, it's a, loaded, it's a loaded squad for sure. But, but I, don't, I don't see, like, like, they get to the playoffs against the Red Sox, and we'll see what, if Price can keep it up. But if you have, like, sale Price, he may just mow them down. And, you know, Verlander's good. Maybe Verlander's in that same class as those guys. I mean, he's better than Price right now. But you, you look at the, you know, McCullers hasn't made it yet. And Morton has been really good, like, at the end of last year and for a few starts this year. But, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say right. they have yeah. the really elite guys yet in starting, All right. okay. besides Verlander. I think the potential's there for for yeah, for, sure. for them to win like 110 games, but yep, and, and of course the playoffs and and it's uh, the league right now is full of top loaded teams. Yes, those are monstrous teams right. they'll have to go up against. No no question. Um, one thing, okay, a couple things I want to bring up to you is I love the uh, rant that you went on because it's just from 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 uh, your lips to God's ear. What is it from God God's lips to my ears or whatever? Your lips uh, to God's ears, I think. Yeah. yeah. What's about bre- the breaking news about yeah. how people are just so intent and in getting credit for this stuff? Like, please uh, uh, preach on. Yeah, no, just the, the way that people want credit. Oh, so-and-so broke the story that Maurice Jones drew. I mean, I was making up a stupid old name. Uh, signs with the Jaguars or re-signs I, with the Raiders. And you're like, yeah, so if he, why does that guy need credit? If he, didn't tell, if he didn't break that news, then two minutes later, someone else would have broke that news. It's not like he's uncovering some government secrets, a great risk to himself, and great, you know, it's of great import to the public. Like, I'm going to go do something. Like, I'm, I'm going to go do the Edward Snowden story and report that your government, which wants to kill us probably before we can get this info out, is spying on all of you and that, there's, and that now everything you do is being recorded. That's a story. That, that, that's, hey, that guy deserves a Pulitzer Prize because he broke this. He, he had a scoop. Being first for something that was going to come out one minute later anyway, it's, it's like embarrassing that these guys take credit for it. Yeah, maybe it'd feel cool. I'm sure it would feel cool if like an agent reached out to me and maybe, uh, and I know it'll never yeah, happen. But, who cares? Uh, but, uh, like the, but, yeah. dude, if you don't hear it from, from that person, uh, the next person is going to report it two seconds later. It's not like, yeah, yeah the ankle is going to remain broken yeah. or he's going to go on the DL all the same. But I, I've always felt the same way. And I just heard you apropos nothing go nuts about that. I was it's just, it, it's just, it's, it's this weird game that they're playing with each other. To They validate the other guy because they know they'll get a, uh, quote, scoop at some point. And so they want to publicize getting scoops in general because it makes them feel, you know, important. It's just like the same reason people publicize awards and stuff. Ooh, I, run, I won Fantasy Writer of the Year in baseball or something like that. Um, I have this guy, I won't name him, whatever. He's probably a nice guy. I don't know him. But he was like, hey, we're all nominated for baseball article of the year or something. I don't remember what it was. We, we should all like do this or do something. And I'm thinking like, dude, just because we got nominated for this nutless monkey award that means nothing, these guys who don't know shit, I used to send in all of the, I used to help Pete do the submissions for like a lot of the site for Rotowire. And right. it's actually helped us because we've won a lot of awards and we promote it, bullshit, whatever. But like, and I used to submit like good stuff. Of course, not your stuff is garbage, but like uh, the good stuff that I would get from the, the writers and I'd be like, oh, this thing should win. This is really good. This guy wrote this thing. And I'd submit good stuff. And we did win stuff, but it was often just very mediocre stuff that won. And 
you know, sometimes good stuff won, but sometimes very mediocre stuff won. And sometimes you can stuff, tell the difference because you're submitting both. So you can see that. Uh, well, of course, the I, re- I read them and I edited a lot of it. And it was like this stuff is like not even well written. There was stuff that won from other sites that I checked out. I can't remember why I ended up checking them out, but I had to do something. And I was like, I wouldn't even publish this on the site. It's so bad. It's like so right. poorly written. You know, but but we all want to make it seem important, especially RotoWire, because we win a lot of awards. And so it's like, yeah. hey, look, we've won all these awards. We win the most awards, so go subscribe to us. So we start to have this, like, fake contest amongst each other to inflate us, to inflate all of us, you know, who are doing it, who are in the contest. And so it's the same thing, you know, with these, I think, with this breaking news stuff. It's like they're not doing anything important. If one of those dudes quit his job for good and walked the earth or did something else, nobody would miss them. The guy's telling you who signed where. Not a single person would miss them. Because, of course, that news is coming out a minute or the same time or whatever. Nobody gives a shit. But they make it seem important. You know what? A real man goes to meet Edward Snowden in Hong Kong secretly in some hotel and freaking busts the fucking NSA's ass for spying on everybody and lying to the American people, these unelected people spying on all your stuff. That's what a real man does. That's called breaking a story. This other shit is like, it's, la- it's childish. I hear you, man. All right, a couple other things. Um, what do you want to talk about? I saw that you um, actually didn't look at your tweet, but I heard you mention that you tweeted about an all-time team, and then also I believe you have like a computer story that you kind of want to maybe maybe vent about. Well, I, I so. got a few oh, things. Like, yeah, I got a few things. So first, that nutless yeah. monkey, Mark Zuckerberg. What a freak, right? He's going to sit in there getting grilled by Congress, and I really hope that they start breaking up these companies and allowing for some innovation. Those things have been a scourge. I hope they call Google, haul their ass. Larry Page, Sergey Brin, haul their ass in front of the Congress. The senators were so dumb. It was like your grandpa being like, hey, uh, you know, my son uses this Facebook thing, and, you know, where, how do I delete my data? You know, it was like, but I then I, I, heard, I heard today that I didn't watch, I watched a couple of them, that the House, you know, these guys have smart staffers working for them. Like, they're idiots, a lot of these people. They're just, like, front men for special interests. But the staffers, a lot of them are really smart, and they probably took notes and they know more about Facebook because they're younger, and they basically probably got them to ask good questions, and they did today. And Zuckerberg, there may be some shit going down. Like, I would not be, if I owned Facebook shares, I would have sold them a month ago or two months ago. I actually did own some in May. I sold them. And, uh, you know, you can ding me on the morality of owning that totally. You know, I mean, there's one thing the NSA spies on you and Facebook spies on you. It's all very unethical, and they're not, you're not consenting when you put your picture up to be, have that data, like, used to sell you all sorts of shit. I mean, everyone knows Facebook's dirty business. Yeah, maybe I'm cynical. I just assumed everyone has my information anyway. I mean, I don't want like Russia to, you know, directly go into my bank account or something, but I just assume right. people well, have my information. Well, I banks mean, are the only place that, you know, anyone cares about, right? But it's not about Russia because I think that's a little bit of a red herring and go down that road. Too. I was just, you know, yeah, yes, yeah, I, I know I, what you're saying. I think it's more like, yeah, you don't want some Russian hacker to steal your money, basically, is what you're yeah, worried about. Yeah, but I just assume that the right. people have, I mean, my, my yeah. information's out yeah, there. It's, it's, it's more just like, you know, you go to restaurants, you use your credit card, all, all this information is being collected about you. Um, right. You might have a photo somewhere, someone may snap a photo of you and a friend of yours, and they can build a profile of like where you go, what you do, where you eat, right? And so let's say there was something that was important to you. You know, let's say, you know, your wife was like a pro-choice, you know, movement or something, and they changed the law and she got involved. Like someone who wanted to target you could kind of track your whereabouts very easily. And everyone says, well, I'm not doing anything like that. I just do my job. Like, I don't have to worry about that. But I just don't think we want to be in a society where if you did have a beef, if you did have a stand that was controversial, that you'd then be vulnerable and, you, and you'd be deterred from expressing it because people kind of know all your <coughs> comings and goings. And, 
you know, might have a, an angle on you. And, and I think that's, so I completely agree with you. And I'm not like, Oh, I'm a, Oh, I don't care. You can check you look right, into anything. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I have plenty of skeletons. Right. I want no one looking into me. I'm just, yeah. well, I'm just saying I've admitted that I, I just figure it's all out there anyway. So I'm not going to get too worried about it, but I'm also the idiot that voluntarily sent my DNA in, you know, to right. get my you ancestors. Are, and so, so yeah, the, the man, no mistake. But, yeah, the, but yeah. no, it, it's also just sort of like, you know, they asked one question they asked, they said to Zuckerberg, where are you staying? What hotel are you staying at in town today? Yeah. And right. he's like, no, I don't want to say that. And it's like, well, then stop fucking collecting that shit about everybody else, you fucking scumbag. You know, he said privacy's dead. He built, he bought like five properties around his house so he'd have privacy. You know, yeah. fuck that guy. And I saw someone comment on that and say, well, he didn't sign a form going in that he yeah. released all, you know. Yeah. Right. Like anyone reading like, these fucking forms. You know, right, people are like, exactly. People are like, this is a free service where I can like show my pictures of my kids and my friends. Nobody was like, I'm like, no. oh, okay, there's an ad on this. Okay, fine. That's how they pay for it. But nobody fucking consented to the extent to which they're using your information. Nobody fucking remotely consented. But it's kind of ironic that it's Congress grilling him because nobody fucking consented to the NSA collection either. And they're not doing right. shit about that. They're not pardoning Snowden. They're not urging Snowden to, for, to get a pardon. I mean, it's a pretty nutless monkey situation right. altogether. But one thing at a time. Sorry, what was the other topic that we were talking about? Oh, the, the uh, airplane thing. Yes, computer, your computer. So it's yeah. kind of like a Larry David thing because Heather has this friend. Heather has all these people stay with us, and they stay way too long, like you know, 10 days, 12 days. I mean, 12 days. You know, this one woman, I really like her. She's a cool person, but her kid is there, and her kid's like kind of entitled. And she's like, I want a water. I want this. I don't like this food. You know, for one night, it's like, okay, no, well, I'll get you something else. Don't worry about her. I'm more like, well, I guess you'll have to starve to death then because that's all that's on the table. Yeah, but, I was going to say, I usually don't give my guests water. That's an unreasonable request. No, like, water, no way, no way. But it's just very demanding. You know, get me this, do this, do that. Can you move? I need to sit down, you know, all this stuff. And for like yeah. 12 days, you know, and you're on top of each other, it gets annoying. So whatever. So we have this woman stay. And then this other woman is supposed to stay, no, no kids, um, for six days, like a week later. And we, we're like moving, we're doing all the shit. We're, it's really busy here. Anyway, she's supposed to stay. This is booked for a while. And I decided I'm going to get a new computer because the one I'm using for my desktop is super old. And so Heather asked her friend, do you mind if Chris sends you this? It was a Mac Mini, but I'm actually now not going to get it. But it's a Mac Mini. Do you mind if I, he sends it? It weighs a few pounds because to order something here to Lisbon, there's like crazy tariffs. It gets held up in customs. It's a real pain in the ass. So what you do is you either when you go back to the U.S., you buy something, put it in your luggage, just bring it. Or you have a friend who's visiting, bring it. That, that's basically how you deal with this. So I, uh, she said, yeah, no problem. So I send her the stuff. And then like a week and a half after she receives the stuff, about a week before she's due to leave, she emails Heather and says, I just checked the weather. It's going to be very rainy. I don't think I'm going to go. I just don't want to go just for rainy, a rainy week. Right. And I'm like, what the That's fuck? the reasoning even? Well, th whatever. Okay. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? I just sent you my computer. Like now you got my computer and that shit is stuck at your house. So naturally, she apologized profusely. Right, exactly. Right? I thought she'd be like, I'm so sorry, both to Heather and to me. Heather was relieved because Heather realized she overbooked and she has a lot of shit to do for our move. It's like we live in an unfurnished place. We're moving to a furnished place. And like that's everything, like beds, mattresses. I mean, it's a lot of shit to buy in a foreign country in a foreign language. So she's dealing with all that. She's like, thank God she's not coming. Nobody was like, oh, shit, she has your computer. We're going to fix this at once. I'm going to make sure she... It was like... Just relax. It'll be fine. What do you mean it'll be fine? You know, I can, she can't just ship it to me. Then I'll be stuck in customs and I'll pay all these extra shit and who knows when I'm going to get it. And then secondly, like, you know, how am I going to make her pit pack this thing up? You know, so luckily it was just like a couple days before that. Like you have 14 days to return it. So I had her return it and luckily she, it was right across the street. She lives like right across from a Mac store in Brooklyn. So it's fine. It got returned. 
Right. Uh, but there was no apology. There was no, like, I'm so sorry. I should never, if I were this flaky, I should never have agreed to take on something so important as your computer. You know, it was just like, oh, yeah, okay. All right, I guess I'll do that. What do you mean you guess you'll do that? You better do yeah, that. Yeah, I caught, I caught that segment and you referenced the curb and then you came out of commercial. I got to give Ivy props. You came with the segment even though that was a, uh, that was a great apology when, yeah. when, uh, Funkhauser, uh, profusely to these, uh, and a couple minutes late to a party because before he didn't have a proper apology. It, it's yeah. really funny. Yeah. It was, Fun, it was well, really, that was a true, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was a nutless monkey apology or a real man apology, but it was a yeah. legit apology. It was uh, high quality. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, that, that is funny, though, that happened to you. It's too bad that it, it actually worked out for you. I, I wish it hadn't. <laughs> about it for another couple of weeks. But uh, so you ended up, you ended up, what, what are you doing instead? So, um, so I'm going to get the, like an iMac. I started to do some research and it actually yes. worked to my favor because um, the, the Mac mini hasn't been updated since 2014. The iMac is like way more. It's like 2017. So. I'm just gonna yeah, I haven't got there. I haven't got a new iMac in a, in a while. I'm, I'm looking into getting one, and that, I think the last one they uh, released was like June, though, so on, almost a year. So I'm curious if another one's coming out soon, another update. Yeah, I mean you can't wait indefinitely because then you like wait a year and they haven't done it, and then you just you're using your shit computer. At some point, you just have to buy one. And uh, so I mean June of 2017 or whatever it is. That's yeah, it's new enough. Okay, new enough, new. I think. I mean, whatever. I'm not I'm not an expert. Someone might tell you no. There's this special one with a new chip coming out. Whenever, but. You know. Yeah, if anyone hears that, and let, let us know if, yeah. uh, if we can hear with uh, through Liss's poor audio quality. Yeah, and by the way, my battery is running low. I'm at to get up, leave you. You, you can entertain. I'm going to go get the plug, and you can plug it in. We'll go a few more minutes. I'm also going to use this as a quick uh, commercial sponsor break. This is time for our commercial sponsor. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card, get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. You don't pay me enough, Liz. I just realized my computer was down to like 6%. It's always something absent-minded. Yeah. All right. So where were we? It's plugged in now. We're good. So yeah. So that was a message from some sponsor of which I'm not aware, but I'm gonna put it in when I edit this. It's not in the video. It's just gonna be what what you saw. That's why I was hoping. Oh yeah. You don't even edit that. You don't even edit that. I mean, I just leave it unedited. I mean, the the difficulty is like if we get political and I go off the rails, like too off the rails, then when I listen back, I'm like, eh, that's gonna get not taken the wrong way, but like just. I can see how that doesn't sound right, so I edit it in the in the. I'm sure everyone's like, "Dude, fucking leave that shit in." That's what I want to hear. But in the video, I don't edit anything uh, right. because it's just it's too much fucking work. I mean, it's one thing to edit the audio, and then you got to do the same thing over again. It's a lot. Right. Well, that, that was riveting then that last couple minutes. But uh, yes, it, it uh, was. So, so what? Uh, yeah. So what? What next? Do you want to talk about the all-time team, or, or was that interesting at all? I, uh, I, I mean, you can cast. check it out. I it, I 
put in my timeline at Chris underscore list. Basically, I did it in 2012, I think, and it's um, sort of the all-time stats. So, you know, based on a 2012 context, so like what the all-time fantasy team would be just based on the stats, and it's like Babe Ruth. Actually, he was the number two hitter. The number one hitter only hit eight home runs, but as Ty Cobb, he scored like 140. He drove in 133. He stole 83 bases, and he batted 420, I think. So Yeah, you know, Rudy Gamble did something about this, and I heard him talking about on a, on a, on a recent podcast, and he, the guy he said had the best fantasy season, and I think why it's different than yours, and I actually ended up talking to him about something different and I brought up your study, is that it was a strike-shortened season, and, and in context, based on the opponents, uh, uh, or his peers, I should say, was Mike Schmidt. Yeah, 81, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he batted 315 with like 31 homers in 80 games. But and the next guy, next highest homer was something crazy. 22 is Eddie Murray, I think. But oh, that doesn't seem as low as I thought. But so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. I just know the season. But but the thing yeah. is, unlike you, I was alive during that season. But yeah, yeah. it's true. It's fine, you know. And, and I'm sure, no offense to Rudy. Rudy's Rudy's a funny guy. He won't take offense. I like, yeah. He doesn't take offense very easily. But like, I didn't give a shit about that. Like in context, bullshit. I just wanted to get the numbers. You know, like what right, if Babe Ruth? You could draft 59 home runs, 171 ribbies, 177 runs, 372 batting average of 17 steals. Like, what would that do? The actual yeah. most valuable player was worth 93 bucks out of your budget for one player, and it was uh, Ed what? Walsh. He threw 464 innings of sure like did. a 169 ERA and like a .8 something WHIP. He only had 260 strikeouts. Like you say he killed you in the in the Yahoo Max Innings uh, K League. He did. He did hurt you there. He wasn't as good as the Yahoo League. He's still good though, because he won like 40 games also. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty <laughs> he good. He probably got like 10 saves. Oh, no, they didn't have saves, no, obviously. He, no, there, some, there were saves then, but he, he didn't have any saves. But yeah, maybe weren't there some people that got like both though a good amount, like 2020 or something? Yeah, there was. So there was closers. This guy Dick Radatz in Radatz in uh, 1964 had 29 saves, 16 wins, 180 strikeouts, and like a. 103 whip and like a 164 ERA or something like that. Right. right. So and I mean, then the ones you, that, that you that you wouldn't realize was crazy batting averages, I bet, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Todd Cobb was the best hitter. He, yeah, batted, right. he had 83 steals and batted 420. Right. <laughs> so even though he only had eight home runs, he right. like scored 140 and drove in 130. But like it was really the 420 and the 83 really helped. Imagine just right. having that, drafting that. But there were guys that were recent. Like Larry Walker was like the number five overall player in 1997. I don't know if you remember, but Larry Walker had 49 homers. He had like 100 and, I don't know, 45, 150 ribbies, 140 runs. He stole 33 bags and batted 369. So that's five, that was, you know, tw 20 years ago. But that, that's a five-category cores at its peak superstar, right. and that's the fifth best hitting season of all time. You know, and, and one of the, only two, one of only two players ever to go 340-40-30, right? Right. That was my trivia question. Yeah, I and love it. Was it him yeah. and Ellis Burks in 1996. I was say, yeah. Right. And so that's that's it. I mean, in the history of baseball, 40-33-40 has been done twice, which is crazy. Right. But on the same team in back-to-back -back years, and that's it. And no one gets Ellis Burks. No one gets. No, because it's such a. But that guy was a monster. I think I might have had him in one league that year, and it was a monster. Yeah. Yeah, no, so. that, 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 that is a fun exercise, though. But the Schmidt thing, I get what you're saying, but I did not realize, like, in context, how, how good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, oh. Pedro used to, you know, have those 170 right. ERAs or 300 strikeouts in, like, an era where, you right. know, pitchers were getting pounded. So those guys like that. Right. Um, all right, what else you got for me? I'm fired up for the NBA playoffs. I mean, I actually think it's going to be exciting. Uh, I know you're not a big hoops guy. Uh, Warriors are going to be interesting. I mean, they might have some tough matchups with Curry. Uh, the Rockets are legit. Utah's going crazy. 
I personally bet on the Sixers uh, at 20 to one to win the East a few weeks back. Wow. Pretty pumped about that. So uh, you should have bet I, on I, to I, win the championship at the beginning of the year. A real man would have bet on the whole thing. I should have. You're right. Yeah. Apparently, I'm a Philly guy because I got the the Phillies too right. for baseball. But um, yeah. So we'll see. I'm you excited. Got the right city. You got the wrong sport. Yeah. 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 That's right. I was not on the Eagles. In fact, yeah. I was the opposite of on the Eagles in the yeah. Super Bowl. But uh, but uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. So NBA playoffs. You gonna watch it all? Uh, probably not. I you know I don't know how to get it here. I probably could if I really wanted to put my head to it. I could figure it out. Or I actually that's that's not true. On Apple TV, there's probably an NBA app that I could buy like a playoff package. You know, they're usually on super late at night. I can watch the rewind. If I were, like, betting on the games or DFSing, which I can't do from here, uh, right. I think that... Uh, and it's not uh, like you love a team, even, the, I mean, the Knicks I'm or a whatever. Knicks fan, but they're such a joke. I mean, with poor so, yeah. hurt now, too. I mean, you know, they, they, they're at least... You see the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit. But, um, yeah, I'm, if, again, if I could better play DFS, I'd be much more inclined sure. to do it. But Makes I'm not going to, like... I, I wouldn't watch that. it. If I didn't have any stakes, I probably yeah. wouldn't watch much. Yeah, I, I got gotcha. you. And you're a Warriors fan. It's, it's totally different. Right. By the way, a lot of pressure on Kevin Durant because if they lose, and those teams are good, like Minnesota, those teams could – if there's no – Yeah, Minnesota was like the three seed before Butler went down. I well, mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's not just the number, but it's like those guys are good on that team. And if they beat Golden State without Curry in the first round, Durant looks like a chump because basically he bought – he like, you know, coasted to his championship, which he didn't deserve – and then right. it gets bounced, especially if it gets bounced by the Thunder. Yeah. Especially if it gets bounced by the Thunder. It's like, oh, you're you're not that good. Like without Curry, oh, you guys yeah. aren't that good. Sorry if you're saying Thunder. I was thinking T Wolves because that's that's who they 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 might have to play. But yeah, right. yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. That would be uh, that would be um, <laughs> that would look like he's not gonna happen. Don't worry. But, but he talks happen. a lot of shit too, you know. So he would get he would get it big time. Yeah, no, he's putting himself out there. He's going on Bill Simmons' podcast multiple times, which I love. Yeah. But then I get the heat, and he said some really things that were were, yeah. were dumb as far as sabermetrical. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but he uh, yeah, but he's uh, yeah, he's different for a superstar, and that would uh, for sure. But don't worry about it. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Thunder, T Wolves, whatever. It could get interesting the next round. The Jazz are really good without Curry or or a rusty Curry. Certainly, it would be interesting in, in the you know not home court against the Rockets. But we'll see. So what else? What else you got me for this? Got for me. So the only thing, and, and I, this is uh, getting into a dangerous realm of politics, more so in some ways than what we've d- done before. But um, I think people should follow this guy, Michael Krieger, on Twitter. I, I think he's doing a really good job lately. And what it's about, this guy Matt Stoller is great on the Zuckerberg Facebook stuff. But this is even more important: this whole Syria gas attack. Oh, we got to go bomb Syria. And based on what I've re- read, and again, like. I don't really trust the New York Times or the Washington Post or MSNBC or Fox News or CNN or any of the mainstream outlets. I think they're, they're very complicit in a lot of bad things, and I don't think they're trustworthy or, or remotely um, trying to get at the truth. And from what I've read with the people I trust online is that almost certainly Assad did not do that chemical attack. Basically, Assad and the Russians and had, had defeated ISIS. ISIS was on its heels. It was basically over. And... He got what he wanted. His regime survived. He was winning. And so why, for no military purpose at all, would he kill 36 innocent people and then have World War III rain down on his country? I mean, there's no... Ba- the, the media's explanation is, because he's crazy, because he's evil. No, he may be crazy and evil, but you don't just do something when you've already won to undermine everything that you've been trying to do and your own survival, basically. And what is is these these warmongers who have weapons to sell and interests in the region and client states like Saudi Arabia to service want this shit to happen. And Trump even was like, no, we're pulling our troops out 
And then what happens a couple days later after he says that? There's this gas attack that nobody can really verify. And basically there's a whole bunch of jihadists in the area who stage this kind of shit before. It's, again, I don't know. I'm not there. I'm not some expert in this. But the people I read and trust and who have been right about all the other shit that I've read when it's been a controversial thing are, are like, dude, no. This is not what happened. This is wrong. This is, this is fake news. Just like we got into Iraq on fake news. Oh, there's WMDs. Most of the shit is fake news that is driving these wars because the truth is like it's not in our country's interest to be at war in Syria. Uh, but now it seems very risky that we're going to be in it. And this is not a small thing. Russia is backing Syria. We're backing God knows who, the, the rebels who were basically a bunch of jihadists. And it's just a very dangerous situation. And it's just very irresponsible. Everyone's like inflamed. Oh, oh Trump is Putin's bitch for a whole year. And now finally he's like doing the thing to defy Putin. Not that he's not responsible. He is. But inflaming it for a year is not, was not helping. And this is like a really dire situation. Like the Iraq war is one of the hugest disasters of all time. It's basically weakened the U.S., cost us so much money. Many people died. Half a million Iraqis is like the estimate of people who died. We're now going to do this in another country that has really no relevance to any regular person in the U.S. I mean, it's, it's really fucked up. And they want to hurry up and do it because the longer they wait, like the more evidence will come out that this is not the real deal. And the only bright spot is that people from what I can tell, are very skeptical, like regular people, like the dumbass CNN and MSNBC and, you know, the New York Times is not being skeptical, but like people who are smart on Twitter and have big followings are very skeptical. And I just hope this blows up in their face and they, they don't, they're not able to do this and whoever's fomenting this is accountable for it because it's, it's really fucked up this shit. And, and I, I see people tweeting about the NFL draft and all this other bullshit that we talk about and that's cool, you know, it's our job and we're into it, but... It's like, it's a very fucking serious moment. And I just, you know, to the small extent that I have people who listen to what I say, 100 of them or however many, like, I just feel like that shit is, this is like important shit. No, it's very serious. And I don't, obviously don't have the answer, but it is interesting to me that you say that because uh, my friend at the game I was with last night, uh, you actually met him uh, in Vegas a couple times, was arguing the same exact thing you just were that about Assad being like the reasoning behind why it's not him. He was, yeah. he was arguing to me that, Basically the same exact thing you just said. So it's interesting that that uh, repeated itself there. So, yeah, obviously I don't have the answer, but I do know it's serious. I do know that. And, and yeah, it's tough to know what to believe in the media these days. It's more ridiculous than ever. I mean, it's truly a shit show. That, and it's amazing that people even have any faith in it. And, and I just hope anybody who even finds this entertaining for sports just takes a serious look at what they're being told. It's, it's pure propaganda. And it's just this neocon, neoliberal alliance. It's sort of like the Clinton, Bush, Cheney, that whole faction that's you know, in with sort of the deeper state, the deeper CIA, all that mechanism that is connected to the arms industry. And that's who wants wars. And basically people, whether you're like a liberal or a serious libertarian or whatever, it, nobody wants that shit. You know? And even Trump, I mean, you can shit on Trump all you want, and I definitely do. Like, he ran on, you know, we're not going to waste time with this. And he has, like, old tweets saying, like, you, we're idiots to even consider going to Syria. It'll blow up in our face. But, like, somebody's got to him or somebody has some dirt on him or something because, you know, he should not, he should not be considering this. So I, ho I hope people, like, seriously wake up before it's, like, another total disaster. And, and there's going to be blowback, too. You know, this shit, there's, you know, you don't get away with shit like this. So. Yeah, no, no, man. I, well said, and it, it's very, very scary shit. Yeah. It's scary. All right. On that bright note, 
I think we'll wrap this one up. And uh, I'm not going to edit that shit out either. I think it's fine. Um, all right, man. And, uh, all right, man. I will, uh, I'll catch up to you next week. All right. Later, Liz. All right. Later, man. Take care.